On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Allison. And Allison was in a relationship with a narcissist that needed constant supply. She just didn't know it yet. It's a story of victim playing, infidelity, and learning to trust your gut. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of narcissist abuse. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our episode with Allison, I just wanted to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently, please do go there. If you want to be part of our show, go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com and fill out the guest form and we will go from where. But the quickest way to be part of our show is to also go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com and to read a letter to your narcissist and to be part of our letters to our narcissist compilation episode. We have a voicemail recorder on our website to record. Go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right side of the page. It's always floating around and hard to miss. There's a button there that says send voicemail. Press it and away you'll go. We're accumulating these letters to have a volume three of that episode. So send in those voicemails. If you want me or my old pal Melissa to read your letter for you, just send it to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Other things on our site, we're now offering high-conflict parenting courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with Online Parenting. And many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court. And he's now helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else do we have going on? We have another podcast called Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, and it is now available for your listening pleasure. Our first 12 episodes have been released, and on the last one, we had Shireen Paycar. We had her on earlier uh, this year on our other pod, well, on this podcast. I'm now confusing things. Uh, we discussed parallel parenting and caring for your kids during and after your relationship with your narcissist. It was quite an informative episode. Also, if you are looking for a coach or a therapist like Shireen Paycar, if you're needing help with narcissistic abuse, we have a website called abusetherapy.org and it has all of the 
people who are on our Q&A podcast and many, many more therapists and coaches. So if you want to help support the show, go to abusetherapy.org. But do you know what else helps support the show? Our Patreon. Yes, we started a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow up episodes with former guests and much more, join our Patreon. We'll be releasing new content on there every week. So help support the show. Become a patron of our Patreon at patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. Oh, we have more stuff. Yes, there is more. We also started an Instagram and YouTube channel and started making fun pop culture narcissist-based videos. And we've created a new episode this week of our Narcissists of the Internet series, where we discuss uh, forum posts of narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths all over the internet. They're fun little videos, and if you want to have a good laugh, please do go check out our Instagram and YouTube channel. And you can find us on Instagram at Narcissist Apocalypse. And now... Before I get out of your way, there are some weird tiny blip noises throughout this episode due to cell phone issues. I did my best to get as many of them out as possible. I did a lot of work, and still there are some in there. So hopefully it won't annoy you that much. But now it's time for me to get out of your way and my way. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Here is my conversation with Allison. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Allison. How are you? I'm good. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. You're going to be sharing your story of your relationship, and I'm going to get out of my way and your way. Flemily Lynn, the floor, Allison, is now yours. Thank you. Um, so I guess my story begins. Um, so when I first met him, I'd say that I was feeling really great. I w- had been traveling all summer. I was about to start this new awesome like career topping new job. I was working on a really awesome um documentary project that I was really excited about. And in general, I would say that I was just super excited about life. Um, life hasn't always been easy for me. Uh, I was, but at this moment I was feeling really good and I was feeling like I had, um, that I was starting to, 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 to go somewhere. And, um, I met him at the end of the, this sort of awesome summer of traveling, um, right before I was about to go shoot some projects. Uh, for this, like, new business that I was creating. And we met at a wedding. And um, it was one of my best friend's wedding, and it was really fun, and we were just, like, having a blast. And I knew that she had this friend that she had always told me about, that we would make, like, a really great couple, but he was um, married in this sort of, like, toxic marriage. She would always tell me about it and uh, just would say, like, I just wish he could, you know, get divorced because you guys would be such a good couple. Like, you both teach yoga, and you both love, you know, mindfulness and it just seem like such a great match. Um, and so I had sort of been prepped to meet him uh, at this wedding because he was freshly getting divorced, which probably was red flag number one. Um, and, and so I was just sort of excited to finally meet this guy. Um, and we just like instantly clicked. Um, 
but I was given a few warnings after the wedding. My, my friend whose wedding it was sort of, you know, warned me that he was been drinking heavily. Um, she wasn't sure if he was a full blown alcoholic or if it was just like dealing with this, this hard time in his life. He had just, um, besides getting kicked out of his house, um, from his ex-wife and his two kids. He also had lost his job recently. And um, I, of course, was just like, you know, thanks for the warning. You know, we just met. Like, I don't think this is going to, like, turn into anything serious. Um, And basically, we met at this wedding, and then for the next two weeks, I was traveling. Uh, So it was kind of like, hi, nice to meet you. I'll be back in two weeks, and maybe we can we can hook up again um and uh he texted me like the entire time I was away I remember like thinking it was kind of weird um that he was coming on strong but I also found it sort of charming because of my history of of dating men was always like I was the one chasing so it sort of it felt nice it was like be receptive and and have a lot of like compliments coming my way um but it did feel a little off uh and then, um, basically, when I got back from this trip, um, I started this new full-time job, and I also started dating Phil. Uh, he started visiting me. We lived about two hours away from each other, and it was just constant contact, it felt like. Um, he was, like, immediately really a big part of my day-to-day, like, just getting texts and seeing him on the weekends. Um I was really excited. I was really excited because I had had, um, I would say I would had like in my like really shit luck in in dating for the last like ten years, like my entire time living in the city, and um, just had sort of kept having like the same pattern of behavior. Like I would really like a guy, and then as soon as I showed any interest, they would just disappear, and like I was sort of in a, like I said, like in a place in my life where I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to be happy and like do the things that I want to do. And I was, and like, I was starting to like really pick up momentum. And I remember thinking like, ah, this guy doesn't really like totally fit into my like vision of my future. Like he's divorced. He has two kids, but I was like, I'm not afraid of any of those things, you know, even though I realized down the road that it was quite triggering for me. Um, being a child of divorce and also having had uh, previous trauma from my childhood and all those things. I wasn't realizing that I was actually reacting to some of his parallels that showed up. Um, But yeah, in the beginning, it was so exciting. I remember, um, you know, by like Thanksgiving, this is like two months in of dating. I was already, you know, telling um, a lot of my family members, like as he came to that Thanksgiving, I remember like my sister-in-law loved him. And, um, she had asked me previously, like what it is that I liked about him. And I was like, Oh, he's just really nice to me, you know? And it just, I mean, that's like the state of dating, I guess, where I was at, where like, this guy is just nice to me. So, you know, I found him charming I and mean, he is very charming. So, um, so, so in, but, those, in, yeah. the, in those texts in the initial in the initial uh, months, um, when you're away and when you get back, where he's constantly in, mm-hmm. in, in contact with you, uh, what kind of is it like uh, conversations about 
um, you know, how he's like not doing well or is it ta- like a shared uh, goals or anything like that? Like, is there is something that's sucking you in at that point that he's uh, doing? Um, is he playing a victim in any way or anything along those lines? What is, I guess, within that context of those conversations that is, is really getting you? Um, well, he was, I think like, you know, already saying that he missed me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> he was saying that he missed me. Cause I was like, if you remember, I was away for two weeks. Um, and so we're forced to either talk on the phone or text, but he's also looking for work. So he is on like the struggle bus trying to decide like whether he wants to like go back to a desk job or like pursue his dream to become a music teacher or a, you know, use his geology degree or, you know, I was just starting to get to know him and like part of my love language is helping. And I wasn't quite helping him at that point because I was busy, but um, he was like asking my opinion, like, Oh, I have this job interview. I have this one. Right, this option we were sort of talking about stuff like that um and then when i when we were finally able to um start like dating for real when when i was back home um yeah it became like the focus on like this relationship is going to be like we're gonna get married we're going to have kids. Like on the first day that I met him at the wedding, he told me how he had two kids. And I think I just nonchalantly was like, yeah, I think I want to have like one girl. And then for like the rest of our relationship, he was taunting me with having like a baby girl. But like that night on the day of the wedding, before we even like danced together, he said something like, yeah, I think I could have like one more. Like I would like to have a girl. She has two sons. Do you see like he was already sort of creating this picture of things that I longed for that I didn't even, you know, I just thought, Oh, we have things in common or we have these shared dreams. Um, and when I first met him too, we had met actually like a week before this wedding at the, the bachelorette party. That was sort of like, you know, a casual thing. Um, and, uh, I think I had shared with him that, you know, I wanted to move out West at some point and sort of like start my own business. So like these types of things were being talked about very early on. He wanted to know about my documentary project. He wanted to know about my work. He wanted to know about um, like all those kinds of things. And then I was also um, by, I think like a month or two in, I was already helping him like with his divorce like he was going through divorce. He got finally, I think, signed the papers or they were stamped of made official on like New Year's Eve or the day before. So like um, he's going through it and we're having like these long phone conversations at night about like custody and his ex and how crazy she was and how she was so abusive to him. And like, you know, I started, I, I, I realized later that I, a big part of, my feelings for him is that I, I kind of felt bad for him. Like I wanted to help him. He looked so sad and he looked like he just needed to be loved. And he was in this loveless marriage for so long. And he has these kids who he seems to love, but also like wants to start fresh. And like, we started talking about, you know, when we get to move out West, when we can do these things together. Um, 
and by by Christmas, we went on um, like this giant road trip together, and it was like the most fun I had ever had. <laughs> I would say because um, I love road trips. I love the places that we visited. Um, we were supposed to go to this like yoga retreat, but it like ended up we got snowed in somewhere. It was like a big giant adventure together, and it was like the first time that I had spent Christmas away from my family who I had had, you know, I was having my own issues with. Um, and it was the first time that he was away from his kids for Christmas. And we just spent it hiking and, like, eating good food and, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was pretty hooked by the time we got back from that trip, which was, like, early early in the year. Um, and, and, and as far and, as, you know... Being hooked, I guess a big, uh, just to kind of summarize, a big part of you being hooked was, you know, first is um, you, uh, you, you, you're, it's the first time in a very long time that someone has um, been chasing you in the sense of feeling that you are, yeah. feeling that you are wanted. And then mm-hmm. is another big part, obviously, is the helpful part. Um, and how did you feel like you were an integral part of technically take help maybe taking him from being a, a victimhood or all these bad things to like, you know, we're going to get back on your feet together. We're going to, we're a team. Is that kind of, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I, he kept like apologizing that like I had met him at the worst time in his life and like he comes on strong, but he was like showing me all of his ugly. And I was like, Oh, if this is it, I can handle this because I come from trauma and I could handle all kinds of ugly. And like my, Spidey senses went off to like try to help somebody get through crazy family drama because I grew up in crazy family drama. And like, I was like, oh, I know exactly what to do here. You know, not realizing that I was also getting like weirdly triggered by all like the divorce stuff. And, um, he made me feel needed, you know, like he, I think he would, it, it was constantly like, I miss you. I need you. I can't get off the phone. And I would be so annoyed because I'm a pretty independent person at this point. You know, I've lived by myself for um, a couple of years and had been, you know, dating people, but hadn't actually had like a very long, intimate relationship with anybody in quite some time. Um, and so here's somebody who is already talking to me about like kids and marriage and future and all the things that I had, I think, un- like unconsciously or consciously, but shared with him he was you know showing them back to me that that was something that he also wanted and that we weren't sure how we were going to be able to get there but together we would be able to do it but then um sometime after like the two-month mark like right before christmas right before we go on this trip i do remember that you know besides the weird red flags of him he would just show up what i realize now he would show up totally wasted like having driven two hours down into the city to come visit me. And I knew something was off because he would just be like totally out of it and like just saying weird things or he would have stayed at my apartment while I was at work and then I would come home and he was just like drunk as a skunk. And I would just, I remember like I would go through my journal entries and there's one where I was really mad. I came home and he was wasted and I remember, writing down like why couldn't you have just waited like one hour for me to get off of work and then we could have went to the bar together you know for happy hour or something and it was just it was it was odd um he started 
fighting with me very early on, which was a constant in our relationship. And I, I remember, like, I would be, I don't like talking on the phone at night because it wakes me up. And I'm just, like, the type of person that when I feel tired, I need to go to sleep or else I'm up forever. And I would try to get off the phone with him. And he would just start, like, picking these, like, weird random fights with me about politics or culture thing, you know, just different random subjects that I didn't realize he was just, like, pushing my buttons. And I remember, like, just getting really mad and, like, being like, why are they fighting with this person? Like, we literally just met, like, two months ago. We've been dating. But, like, why, at the end of the day, is now, like, this weird fight was happening? I remember talking to my therapist at the time, and, like, she was talking about, like, these patterns of, you know, he's bringing his old fights with his ex into our relationship and, like, I'm bringing mine from my parents or, you know, we were kind of fighting these fights that we were subconscious of. Um, but I remember thinking that that was so weird, but I just ignored it because everything else seemed so good that I was like, okay, this guy just like weirdly likes to fight. And if I would point it out to him, he would often like sort of apologize um, especially early on, he would be like, oh, I'm so sorry, that's my fault. I just get really depressed, and then I just want to, like, fight with somebody, and I'm going to really, I'm never going to do it. He would always say he's never going to do it again, and then, you know, a week later, we'd fight again. Um, or he'd guilt me into, like, coming up to him and visiting him, um, like, super early on. Um, but I, I, I remember having these, like, journal entries being like, I don't even know why I'm on this train, like, going to go visit him. We just got back from this giant road trip together. I just wanted one night to myself. Like, and it just felt like I wasn't ever allowed to like, just be me, like just do my own thing, which is like something that's, I mean, I think important to everybody, but it's like, especially important to me. Um, and at the same time, I was just starting to work in like this new job and like struggling with like adjusting from being a freelancer, to like being a full-time office worker, which you know, my social anxiety and all that stuff was happening at full force. It was just like everything was happening at once. And um, I just didn't have time to do anything else. Um, and so by January, we were fighting on and off so much that he kept saying that it's just going to be better if we live together. Like that's the reason we're fighting so much is because um, – because of this distance, we have to like, you have to come to me or I have to come to you and this and that. Um, and so I started to believe it. And so I wanted to get out of the city anyway. That was like a thing I wanted to do anyway. And so um, by, you know, we were dating through like three months in, we were already moving in together. Um, and that's when things started to get like really bad when we moved in together. And I started to really see, um, I would say, like, right away, I started to, to um, it was, like, whiplash. Like, um, I started finding all these bottles everywhere, so I was realizing, like, how much he was really drinking. Um, my little kitten died that that we had, like, sort of gotten together, but she was mine, and, like, I'd only had her for, like, a month. And when she died, I, like, totally crumbled, and I think one of the things... You know, when you're grieving, you grieve everything. But, like, one of the main things that really struck me, because I'm pretty self-aware, um, 
that I was crying over this animal that I'd only had for such a short amount of time, but she was sort of like my only friend because we had moved up to like the woods and I was completely all by myself. Like I was far away from my family. I was far away from my work. Um, and I was, um, I didn't have really that many friends up there. I had some friends, everyone was like an hour away, you know? Um, and so immediately things just like didn't go as planned. Like he didn't pay rent. He didn't, um, go to his mom's house when he had the kids. Like all of a sudden the kids were like over our house most of the time. Um, we started finding, like I said, all these like bottles everywhere. And I, you know, I confronted him about these things because I'm, I'm a pretty, I don't know. I'm like, when I feel stuff, I say stuff. So I was like, this feels wrong. This feels off. This feels, you know, like, why am I finding all these bottles? Um, and then, you know, my cat died and I was just like breathing for what felt like ever over this little kitten. Um, and uh, I remember he was, like, nice to me at the beginning of that and then, like, quickly was, like, okay, you're not the one that's, like, allowed to have depression or anxiety. Like, that's my thing. Um, so he was just very moody every time we'd wake up, you know, wake up in the morning. I wasn't sure. Or when he'd come home from work, I wasn't sure what version of Phil was going to, like, walk in the door. It really depended. Um so, and also, so before you continue, okay. I just have a couple. Well, I guess say a couple. I have no idea how many questions are about to pop out of my mouth. Um, it sounds like already that a lot the the words that have come out of your mouth a few times, I think, are the words "not allowed." So, yeah, control. So with with the control that's already kind of going on, how you know are you actually? feeling do you realize that control or that you're being controlled in some sort of way is that kind mm-hmm. of entered your mind and not yet at that point not okay. yet okay um i are you are you changing i, think I first are, are started you... noticing that i was dissociating like i was getting very confused you know what i mean like i mm-hmm. i um are you changing your behavior say, I, in any way a little bit. Yeah, I am. I'm changing my behavior. I'm not talking to my friends as much. I'm already pretty much an introvert. So like my friends know if, if I don't answer the phone, you know, I'll call back eventually. But it was like, you know, very quickly, I was just all consumed with his debt, his kids, his, you know, crappy part-time jobs that aren't paying him enough. The fact that he, you know, can't pay me rent all of a sudden even though we agreed and both signed this lease. Um, it was just like a lot that uh, I was like, oh, man, I thought I was going to, like, move upstate and, like, you know, just be living, like, a better, slower, easier, more relaxing life. And um, I think my sister came to visit, and she she was the first one that was like, oh, my God, you have a bald spot. And I just I developed, like, alopecia. Because we were we were fighting at that time. It seemed like we were fighting a lot about his ex-wife, like fighting about they, they were constantly like fighting with each other over emails or like the littlest, tiniest things. And so like he would want my help with that until he didn't, until it wasn't my business. Um, and then 
any time I would go visit friends or family, he would either make me feel bad that he couldn't come along or he would like constantly text me like the whole time I was out, like checking in, checking in, I miss, I miss you, I miss you. Oh, here's what I'm doing. Oh, you know, here's another selfie. He, yeah, he was like the king of sending selfies at the beginning of everything. Um, and I think that was when my suspicion started you know, when you live with an alcoholic, when you live with somebody who you know is lying to you, when you live with an addict, they're gaslighting you, of course, because they're like the greatest salesman ever. You start to worry about them. You start to worry like, where are they? Where, why are they taking so long? I know that it only takes this amount of time. And I started noticing like he was just more like... So he took a little longer than he should have. And at the time, I was just really more focused on, like, the fact that he was drinking so much. And I was trying to, like, uncover, like, how much of an alcoholic he was. And I think there were, like, moments where he would be drinking more and drinking less, you know. Um, But then I also started to, like, notice that he would always bring his phone into the bathroom. And that... um, He, like, early on showed me his phone and was like, oh, this is how you unlock it by the way, in case you ever need it. So it was like, he was like setting me up for disaster. So like he knew, I think one day that I would be like searching his phone and like checking his messages. And I would, I would find these weird things that he could just explain away. Um, like weird Instagram DMs or he, I would be like, well, why are all your text messages deleted? Right? Like that's guilty one oh one. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, I just, you know, I always threw them out. Um, just like little weird things that would just like eat away. And I would find myself like not being able to sleep. So I would like, and he'd be passed out drunk. So I'd, you know, be going through his phone and I would sometimes find stuff. And then sometimes I wouldn't. And, you know, I was, I was trying to put it all on me. Like, how can I be better? What are my trust issues that are coming up here? How can I work? And then, um, how can I work on myself? Um, and like, even when I was at work, it would be like a small reprieve from all the drama that was going on with him and his job and his ex and all this stuff. Um, but then he would call me up and just like fight with me in the middle of the day and tell me that I needed to get him a job where I worked or I needed to get him, you know, I needed to send, I sent out resumes for him <laughs> like at some point, you know, um, it was crazy. And, you know, I talked, we would have like these breakthrough moments. It would seem like where we would make up or he would like go out for a long hike by himself, supposedly. You know, now I don't believe anything now that I know the truth. But, um, and then he'd always be like apologetic or, you know, it'd be a weekend with the kids and we'd be like sort of secretly fighting. And then he would show up with like, you know, bouquet of flowers and be like truth, you know, and then we would go have like a great weekend together. Um, there was a lot of like fighting and making up. Um, but we were still always constantly talking about the future. Like he was always constantly coming in and being like, let's work on this podcast together or let's edit something. You know, cause I'm, I do video. And so like, let's create this thing together or let's work on this project together. Cause we're both yoga teachers or let's do this. And, it was always like, I 
he claimed that I was the one that was like, oh, I don't like that idea. But it was really like, it was like, just show me, whenever I would ask him to prove it, be like, okay, well, you know, write that thing up or show me a couple examples of that. He never would. And somehow it was my fault always. Um, and it started to feel that way. Like it was like I never did enough for him. I never seemed to, you know, I would come home if I didn't have beer, I'd be in trouble. If I took a little extra time at work or something, I'd be like, have to deal with his jealousy. Um, and then especially around some of my friends, like a certain, one of my best friends came to visit. Um, I think it was like about two months into living together. And she was just like, this is not good. Like she started pointing out to me some of the things that she had experienced dating and, and also having family members who were addicts and, I was sharing with her all the different things that I was going through. And she was like, you know, I just want you to be happy, but this is all very worrisome to me. Um, and I think that's when I, uh, the seeds were sort of planted, but I think I also just maybe didn't reach out to her as much too. Um, I started keeping things to myself because that was another thing that he always warned me against was that his ex told all of like aired all their dirty laundry everywhere. And like, so, so I felt very much so, so like so I he, should so just he, keep some things to myself. Yeah. So he's stating things here, I guess, where he's saying, you know, my ex violated my trust, which was a mm-hmm. big thing. You know, the one thing you can't do is violate my trust. Therefore mm-hmm. you can't talk about what's going on with anyone, even though what I'm doing is abusive, but they're stating that. Yeah. Um, as or it, I'd be the one that was abusive sometimes. He would, like, take all the things that I would have said to him in, like, one of those, you know, oh, I'm really going to just try to connect with him. And he would just, like, not look at me or, you know, pretend to be on his phone. And I would just sit there and, like, pour my heart out and be like, I choose love. Like, I don't want to keep choosing fear. And I don't think that, like, you know, I think that we can get through these things. And But I do think that you're being emotionally abusive to me because, you you know, and I, I'm a very logical person. Um, and so when things don't make sense, <laughs> I'm like, we can figure this out. Like, because I'm also, you know, I, I live from my heart and I loved, I, you know, I already was so in love um, that I just felt like I, I needed to, like, try harder even though I guess he would show me like little bits here and there where things would get like a teeny tiny bit better. And like, that's what would like keep me holding on. So when your brain is telling you that things aren't right at this point of the relationship, um, is is it the, the future that you're always hoping for that is keeping or is like shutting that, part of your brain down yeah definitely like my um I think it's like one the the memory of the beginning because he was just like my ideal partner where I was like I can't even believe this guy is real and of course he has two kids like it couldn't have been too good to be true right um the fact of my age you know I'm 30 um 30 uh, turned 34, basically. We both did when we met each other, like when we first started dating. Um, and yes, the fact that whenever things would get, 
actually when things would get heated, a lot of times our like future plans would come up as like, like weapons against me. Mm -hmm. Um, or a threat, like, you know, I guess I'll just move out west without you. I'll write you a letter when I get there. Like, that kind of stuff. Or, so he'd use, um, he'd use your dream, the out west dream, which probably had was not even in his dream at all. Uh, I don't even think it's in his wheelhouse, but yeah. He'd yield that as a weapon. Uh-huh, yeah. And and the baby that he knew I really wanted and the, and the fact that I don't have like a strong, or at least I didn't think I did. I I had like a strong family. Like my whole life, I've just been like waiting to meet somebody and create my own family where I don't really have to deal with everybody else. Nobody else is involved, (laughs) you know, like I just want to like go out there and like make this home and make this love and this partnership and this business and this family with somebody. And that has been like a longing desire. And it's, it's changed from all of this, but, um, so he would say things to me like, I'm your family. Me and the kids and my parents are your family. Like, your brother and sister are whatever. Like, and he would list, like, the couple family members of mine that he thought were okay people. And, like, he was playing off the fact that I was having issues with my brother at the time. Um, and so then, I mean, even recently... Um, because this was just like a year ago. Um, I was looking at some pictures from last May and it was like this really fun day. And I was trying to remember, I was like, that's a fun day. (laughs) Maybe there was parts of it that were fun, but like, was it also like a pretty scary day? Like it just, I remember like walking on eggshells all the time around him. Um, And constantly feeling like, Either he would like pressure me to like figure out what we were gonna do tonight, or or um, a lot of like bullying felt like um, where I just felt like I just never could rest. <laughs> like he was like stealing also like my sleep from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so was he was he waking up, was he waking you up in the middle of the night just to argue with you? No, but no. he did. He was like a crazy insomniac. Like he would wake up. He, I don't think he really sleeps that much because he has so much anxiety and stuff. Um, and because of the drinking, I think that wakes you up. So I'm a pretty light sleeper, but I would, and then I would wake up and then immediately like I would have these ruminating thoughts, like check his phone, check his phone. He's lying to you about this or that. Or like, um, and I would confront them. I'd be like, well, why did you, you know, for example, I found this, Instagram conversation where he was lying to this person who, I don't know if it was like an ex or something. I know he cheated on his ex-wife about how he like, he basically used my life and told her like, Oh yeah, I was living here, which is where I was living. I was working as this, which is what I was, which was my job. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, it was just so bizarre. And so I was like, why are you lying to this woman? Who is she? And like, what the fuck? And he he got mad at me. And I think he actually ended up like deleting his Instagram eventually. Instead of, you know, like um, talking to me, <laughs> explaining what was going on. Um, you know, and I started noticing different weird, you know, behaviors on social media and stuff like that. And then he, he like invited into the mix this like phone tracker 
where um, we could basically it's like find my iPhone sort of, but like a separate app. And so it would like alert you if it's like, you know, Phil arrived at his mom's house or he left work and same for me. And, um, he would like turn it off all of a sudden. And then, you know, I caught him like going to the liquor store, but like later now I know, Oh, maybe he did that on purpose to make me think he went to the liquor store, but he was really going to go meet up with some other woman. Um, because that was, I think he knew, that was my biggest fear, like, the whole time was that he was cheating on me. And I just couldn't prove it. Um, and so I think that's what I was really searching for all that time was, like, proof. Um, and then I, I started to feel like, oh, well, you're just perpetuating this. Like, you're going to make this happen because you keep thinking about it and you keep worrying about it. And he's just acting like everything's fine. Um, so, yeah, my health started getting really bad. I have autoimmune issues. My thyroid started to go out of whack. Um, I was drinking a lot more than I ever really ever did because he basically had to drink every night. Um, and so even, like, the nights that I didn't drink, I'm sure he was, like, drinking vodka or something in his car. Um, there was just a lot of, like, there was always, like, this competitive nature that I think was often the beginning of most of our fights was that he could do everything that I could do better. He could do anything that anybody could do better. He was so smart that he had all these degrees and he could be anything he wanted to be. But meanwhile, he's having such a hard time finding a job. He's having such a hard time paying off his bills. He's having such a hard time, like being an adult, taking care of his children, but he could do everything. Um, but no one's ever given him a chance. And I just lucked out because I have this career that I worked my ass off to get into. But no, that's just luck, right? Like, it was just a lot of, like, compare and contrast and, like, what he would call a, you know, I don't know if you have to edit this out, but he called it, like, a big dick contest that he said he would always have to have with his ex. Like, she would, she was an egomaniac. She was a narcissist. And I was like, oh, you know, learn later. Like, oh, he is. He's the narcissist. He's the egomaniac. He's the one that needs all the attention. And not just and all the not just all the attention. You're you're doing your job. You're doing your work. You're doing your career, and you're working hard and at I'm it. Paying for everything, and, including and, and you're helping and you're helping him get send out resumes. You're helping him do all the work that mm-hmm. he should be doing. Um, right, and, but it was never good enough. Yeah, ever. And I called his brother, I think, early on. And I was like, yo, man, like, Bill is doing this. I don't understand. This is that. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. He's just always been that way his whole life. Like, his family is a family of enablers. And basically, like, his brother's just like, I just do my own thing. I try not to, like, get involved with him too much. And I can see it now. Like, they just have, like, a very surfacey sort of relationship. Um, but he was like, yeah, I don't know. He would like, gets like that. And like one time I confronted him about it, but basically his brother like said straight to me, he was like, you don't deserve this. And yet I still kept trying. I hadn't tried enough. There's, there was something I needed to prove to the world that I could love this guy hard enough that he would get better because I was there for him, that I could be his rock. Um, but what I was really doing was abandoning myself. I was not being my own rock. I was, you know, letting my health go, letting my stress level become so unbearable that, like, taking the commuter train back and forth to home would feel like purgatory 
because I would either be in blissfully maybe asleep <laughs> or getting, you know, annoying text messages from him being like, either like super hot and sexy, I miss you, or like, what are we doing tonight? Like, what are we going to do? Like, we got to do something. Like, he always needed to be doing something. And I personally, you know, it's tiring. I know I'm sitting on a train, but it's, it's and that's a bit of my privilege talking, but it is, it is exhausting to go back and forth like that every day, all day long, and be at a job, and then constantly have this person like in your ear and in your head, like bothering you all day long or just totally disappearing. And now you're worried about him, you know, um, he would do that a lot. Sometimes he would just like go off grid, um, and then claim like he had a migraine or something. Um, and so did you feel that that home where you were was even your home? Well, my, that's what my friend pointed out to me. She was like, Dude, I don't even see Allison in this apartment. Like, your your altar is crammed into, like, a weird corner in, like, the kids' room. You, you Like, I, I see your stuff here, but I don't see you. And I pointed that out to him, and we did make, like, a few arrange, like, rearrangements, sort of. So, like, his dresser went downstairs, and it was a tiny little awkwardly shaped, like, cottage apartment. Um, but, yeah, it... it it was like, no, it didn't feel like my home. I felt very disoriented a lot where I would just be like, I know I live here, but where am I? <laughs> you know, like it was just very disassociation because of the, the constant gaslighting and, and being knowing in your heart that this is happening, but being told the exact opposite. And then also being told that you're just overreacting or you're acting crazy or you're acting just like his ex which would always drive me nuts. Um, and By him saying I, that, was that a trigger for you to stop acting in, in the manner in which... Uh, uh, no, it would get, I would get... My anger started getting really bad, okay. like super bad. Like, I, I would start losing my shit, like, more easily. Um, I would... We would have, like, these, like, fights at night where I'm, like, so surprised that our neighbors didn't call the cops on us. Like, they were so loud. There was food fights, which were kind of funny. And, like, we, we always were able to, like, laugh and, like, laugh at ourselves. And I think that that was, like, part of the, the charm of it was that I'm the type of person that, you know, I remember saying right before I met him, I was like, I need someone that I can fight with. But not toxic fighting. That's the kind of fighting we were doing. I need somebody that I can argue with, and they're not going to, like, state like a flower and go away. And I think that was part of the charm for me, too, is that we were able to have these, like, almost horrible fights and then be like, okay. But it was like we never processed anything. It was just, like, on to the next. Like, you know, after a giant fight, he'd be talking to me about starting a business the next day, you know? You'd sweep it so under the rug. houses. Yeah, just, you know, and... Um, and I knew in my heart that that wasn't good. And I kept trying to find couples therapists. We went to one and then he was like, she is terrible. She only focused on me. I don't ever want to go back there again. And then it took me forever to try to find another person because of course I had to pay for it. So I was looking for people on my insurance and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the summer was a little bit better because the kids were away, and so we had more time to ourselves. Um, and then in August, he proposed to me. 
I had known that he was going to because um, from all of my, you know, looking for bottles, I found the ring um, that he had gotten me. Um, And so we went on a trip in July. I thought he was going to, like, propose to me. Then he told me later that he was going to, but he forgot the ring, supposedly. And then, yeah, in August, we went on this, like, little hike and... He, like, wrote me a poem, and he used to always leave me notes in my... Like, he would make me lunch. He, like, cooked for me. He did sweet things that I always wanted. I always just... You know, I've been a single person for a long time, and I just always wanted somebody to help me. I wanted to share this life with a partner, but, you know, like, not have to pay for everything and do everything myself and also take care of somebody. Um, But, yeah, he would... He could be, like, super romantic I guess um and we had gotten like another cat by then and so she had become like a big part of our our bond in our life um and so we were like kind of keeping it to ourselves for a little bit the engagement we like told his parents we told my dad um I told my sister my friend who I had mentioned earlier who came to visit one of my best friends she had come to visit again on her way up north and um I remember telling her and it was like, it all just felt very surreal. Like it didn't feel real to me. Um, and she basically was just like, you know, are you like, I'm just happy if you're happy. And at that point, I think I was, I think that I would convince myself if like we had gone like maybe a week or two without fighting. Like I was like, Oh, things are actually getting better. You know, like, but it would always be like whiplash. Like it would be really, really good. And everything would be, you know, going smoothly. And then just one day I would wake up and everything would be terrible. And like, he's, you know, searching for his keys. And that's like the middle of the like early morning. And like, you know, the world is going crazy. And like all of a sudden now I have to like comfort him for a week while he is, having this like you seem to have like monthly like the way women PMS you would have like this monthly um mood swing mm-hmm. basically um and those felt like they kept getting worse and worse and then September I can't really remember that well but we, we did go on like a trip with my sister and another friend of mine we went to like Disney World um and for like a couple days and then October rolled around. It was our one year. It was both of our birthdays. And I would say October was like the worst month of my life, I think. And I've had some bad shit happen to me and that that was like the worst. Like I, his birthday's first. I did, I think a pretty good celebration for him. Um, We like took a weekend and got like massages like locally and then I got him like a tickets free tickets to like a live show that he'd always wanted to go to and then he showed up at this live show and was just like totally wasted it's also at the place that I work so he's totally wasted he's like in this dark space and I was just like totally thrown off guard. Like I was like oh god this is all happening again like I thought we had worked on all this stuff I thought he was like not drinking as much. I thought all this stuff. And it was just like, it, like I said, it would just, it would feel like, like literally somebody just was like 
dumped my boat over, you know, like where they were just like, haha, and like my whole world's upside down. Um, and so then he was kind of nice to me on my birthday. And then that was like the only day he could really handle, I think, being nice in October. Um, and then his mom, his parents have this like tradition on Halloween where I don't know, the kids due to custody were supposed to go trick or treating at some point with the mom and then some point with him. And his parents always do like this pizza thing on Halloween. And he invited me to it, but I had declined because I, A, just didn't want to go. <laughs> and B, the weekend prior, I had had to call his mom because I had found four giant bottles of liquor. Like, every time I would find these vodka bottles, it felt like they were growing in size. And I found four of them hidden in the children's bedroom of our apartment. And I just couldn't, I needed help. I couldn't take it anymore. He was fighting with me. He was telling me that night that I found all the bottles that, um, just get in the car and come eat dinner because he was going to take the kids out for ramen. And I was like, no, like you're, you know, like you're a liar, you know, all this stuff, like yelling at the top. I think I threw a bottle, um, really drama city and just crying and crying and crying. And then, um, I think he finally came back home because he had the kids, but now his mom's been alerted. Right. Um, but she's, you know, classic enabler. So she's just sort of sad. She's not helpful. She's like, Oh, no, you know, like, I hope he's not drunk driving those kids around. And I'm like, he's a hundred percent drunk driving those kids around. Like, why are you in denial of all this? Um, and so then Halloween rolls around and I come home to find him like totally passed out on the couch. Um, and mind you, I left work early, so it's like 4 PM. It's like light out and it's the fall. So his alarm starts going off, I guess, to like wake him up from his nap. And, um, I grab his phone to like turn the alarm off and let me, I, things were getting a little better up until this point. So I hadn't actually checked his phone in like a while and it just opened up to sexy text from some other woman. Um, and I just, I just lost it. I like woke him up by like, you know, slapping him. I like, um, was like, what is this? Like we had this giant fight and it was, it was basically the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Like I finally, my, my intuition was right. He was cheating on me. I didn't know how for long or what. He tried to tell me it was like a porn site or something. Um, my We had this giant fight that night. He was telling me it was all his my fault that he didn't get to see his kids that night because I didn't want to go to his mom's house. And I was like, no, you drove 45 minutes back home when you were working like next door to your mom's house. Like, you could have saw your kids today. You know, like it was just like, Everything was always my fault. Um, I broke down to him that night after he, like, got off for, like, I don't know, a couple hours. In the meantime, my best friend called me. She just sensed something was off. And she was like, I think you should back a bag or two. Um, and just prepare yourself. Like, just be ready in case you have to go. And I was like, okay. And I just like didn't really know what to do because it just felt like my whole world was crumbling. Like this guy literally just proposed to me two months ago. And now I'm finding, you know, sexy text messages from some other woman. 
Um, and so I think I basically said to him the next day after we had this giant fight and like that night I broke down and was like, I feel like I'm turning into a bad person. Like, I feel like I'm not this type of person that fights. I'm not the type of person that looks through phones. I'm not the type of person who does any of the things that I've been doing. He is, I guess, or he turns people into that, but it's just, it wasn't me. And I didn't know who I was, who I was at that point. I didn't even really recognize myself. I even would say that I looked weird, like, because my, because of the stress. So the next day I basically said to him, like, you have one more chance. Like, I still was going to give him another chance. Um, and I was like, and then I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm just going to leave. And I think he just didn't believe me because later that night I found the same text messages, like another set of them from the same woman. And that was it. That was all I needed to see. And I took the ring off. I, I put it, um, forget where I put it. I think I just like stuck it in some dirt in one of our planters. And, um, I went to bed. I think I took a Xanax. I went to bed and, um, the next day when he went to work, I packed, you know, a couple of things, like clothes. I was just planning on leaving for the weekend. I went to go stay with um, a friend. Actually, it was the friend whose wedding we had met each other at. Um, but I brought my cat. <laughs> so I think I was worried that I wasn't going to come back. Um, but I took anything that he could track me on, like my old, even my old laptop that I didn't really use. I brought that with me because he was a tech guy and he had told me stories about when he like used to shut his wife's phone, his ex-wife's phone off. And, um, that's when things got really crazy. <laughs> um, basically he freaked out. I laughed and he freaked out. Um, like I said, I wasn't planning on leaving for very long. I just, I needed to get some space from the whole thing. I needed to be around people who didn't lie to me. I needed to be around familiar faces and feel safe. And um, he just lost, he had a breakdown, I think. Um, He started, you know, calling me nonstop. He was stalking me, like using the Verizon app to to find me. He um, was threatening to come to my job. Um, you know, all these apologies in the meantime, you know, it just happened really fast. My friends were like, you got to get out of there. You got to get a different apartment. You got to, um, you got to move out. He's never going to leave. Um, so I did, I, I, within two weeks moved in with my sister, um, back to where I used to live in a different part of town, but you know, I wasn't really happy about that. Um, and, um, got some movers and got out of there. I, I left a lot of stuff. It was very scary. Like I kept thinking he was going to show up the whole time um, because he, he had been like, you know, constantly calling me, constantly stalking me. You know, he would like text me stuff like, you know, I'd be in the city and he would text me like a street that I would be near because he was, you know, I guess my GPS on the app isn't exact, but it's pretty close that he knew exactly where I was. I had to call the cop. I had to file harassment charge against him and like you know tell the security people at work about him it was like super embarrassing like I, I all of a sudden had to just tell everybody I had to tell my brother I had to tell my dad I had to tell my boss um about what was going on and at the same time I was devastated like it felt like 
I had lost um, all my hopes and dreams, you know, that we had been planning together. And um, a lot of people, I think, focused on, like, the alcoholic part of this story. Um, It was like there was, like, a big focus about him going to AA. And I would say, like, for... Maybe November, December, I pretty much had him blocked. Like, I had him blocked on on social media, um, had his number blocked for the most part. There was, like, a lot of emailing going back and forth, a lot of apologizing, a lot of, like, sending me, like, cute videos, a lot of, like, admitting finally that he did cheat on me, but it was only text messages, and he doesn't know why he did it. He was just so drunk, and a lot of, like, fighting about that, a lot of, like, let's go to therapy now. And he made an appointment even. And I went and he didn't show up because he got stuck in traffic. (laughs) Um, And then, but I never fully blocked him. Like there was always like WhatsApp or email where he could get in touch with me. And I think I started to buy the story that he was just like, a sad alcoholic who had a lot of issues and that he just made a mistake and I was trying like really hard to forgive him. Um, But in the meantime, I was also like starting working with like a new therapist and I was doing a lot of other different like um, healing type of training and stuff like that for myself um, because I was in such a really bad state. Like I was in a dark, dark place uh, all winter and um um, we, there was like, he kept asking for the ring back. There was like reasons for him to get in touch with me. He like, we got sued by our old landlord, <laughs> but he still got out of it cause he filed bankruptcy. So I'm the only one that got sued. Um, he, there was like stuff that I had of his and like a, a bunch of things that he had of mine that he kept holding over me. And I was like, you know, I don't really care about any of that stuff. I like, you know, just took what I could and got out of there. Um, but eventually I gave, like I, I crumbled and we met up for New Year's Eve and we spent that weekend together sort of cautiously. Um, but he showed me this side of him, the good side, the side that I had fallen in love with. And he showed me, not, I would say that he never showed me remorse Exactly, except for like a few, maybe a few moments here and there. But he he looked like he was getting better. He looked like he was sober. He looked like he was working on himself. He looked happier. Or he didn't look well, but he, he looked like he was getting better. Um, and so by Valentine's Day, I was starting to really come around for like a month after like being back in contact with him and like constantly fighting and then making up again. So the whole pattern started over and we went to this like workshop that I had always wanted to go to together, like a partnership um, workshop. And it just felt like we were starting to work on things. And, and I was starting to let my guard down again. And as I was starting to open up and trust him, he started to get really fucking mean. Like, it would just get meaner and crueler and, like, really weird. Um, Where I was like, wait, why is he blocking me? 
why is he blocking my phone calls? Why is he um, ignoring me? And it was like, you, you stalked me for months. And now all of a sudden I want to try to work on things and you're gone. Um, and then we started, you know, making these other future plans, like how do we, like he wanted to move back in together. He wanted to figure out, you know, all this other stuff. And, and I, I was having trouble with it. I wasn't like fully on board again because, you know, you live and you learn. I was definitely a lot more cautious the second time around. If you could even call it a second time, you know, I mean, I wasn't living with him, which I think was very helpful. Um, there was, uh, you know, that two hour distance between us again. Um, but I was starting to see him like every weekend or every other weekend. Um, he would come down uninvited and like sit outside my apartment for like hours. And I don't know why I didn't call the cops. You know, it was like this weird, very stalkerish behavior. And then as soon as I started opening up and like feeling softer and happier, he would be so cruel. And again, it was like this whiplash. Um, And I started, he he started his Instagram again. And he started like posting like all the time. And I was just like, God, this guy needs a lot of attention. And I started noticing different women that he was interacting with on the Instagram. And in the meantime, this pandemic started happening. (laughs) And he was like trying to convince me to come live with him at his parents' house where his kids are going to be there half the day and every other weekend. And it's a tidy little house in a town that I hate, that I don't want to ever live in. And I was just like, no, I can't. Like, you know, and we didn't know how serious things were yet. You know, I was afraid of getting, like, trapped where I lived, but also, like, um, not willing to give up my freedom to go live with him. Um. But, like, during the pandemic, we were still seeing each other. Like, I saw him, like, almost every weekend in March because he would guilt me so hard about not coming up to visit and telling me how, you know, in in the middle of this, like, disease, like, everyone's quarantining, you know, I'm in, like, a pretty high-risk zone where I live. I, I, every part of my body was like, this is a bad thing to do. I, I felt real guilty. I would tell his mom, I was like, I don't think I should be here. And she's like, oh, it's okay. You know, they accepted me right back in with open arms. It was really weird. I was like, oh, is this how real family is? Like, do you just forget everything and let you back in? Um, and in enabling families? Would, yes. Yeah. 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 And I wasn't, um, I thought it was just being nice. I thought that's just like, oh, that's cool. In the meantime, um, my sister and I were having fights about him coming over. I had to fight with her about him being allowed to come over to our apartment. And that is when I I lost my best friend. Like, she didn't die, but our friendship died. Um, She found out that I was talking to him and just completely abandoned me and blocked me and it was very I'm still hurt because like you know, I could really use that friendship to just that person I don't have that person anymore that I call for advice or for just a shoulder to lean on um and um so that was really hard but it only pushed me farther into his arms the fact that she like 
blocked me. I was like, well, fuck this. Like I, you know, I started not wanting to take anybody else's advice. I wanted to figure it out for myself. I was trying to listen to my intuition and my guidance system and nobody else's, not even his, you know, cause I, I didn't just listen to him right away. And either that's the, the second time around. But, like, the things he would say would make a lot of sense. Like, my sister just wanted to control me, or my friends just want to do this, or this or that. And um, so, yeah, so I was starting to fall for it again. Um, and I also was desperate to, like, get out of where I'm living. And I wanted so desperately to move with somebody and for, still wanted all those hopes and dreams that we had talked about. And it seemed maybe it was possible, maybe. Um, but then every time I would visit him, I would come home and he would claim that what would happen to me, he was like, what happens to you when you leave? You get so crazy. And it was like, no, when I left, he would get like weird. He would call me up and just start fighting with me about nothing. And then uh, it just was like, seriously, like we just talked about all this stuff. You literally told me you wanted to like plan to get pregnant. And then like two days later, you're like, blocking me on Instagram again. It was just so weird. And then, um, basically one day I just contacted somebody on Instagram and I said, I said something like, I just had a hunch. Um, and I was like, I think you're dating this person. Um, and I just want to let you know that he's, he's a monster and he's an abuser. And then I like got scared <laughs> and I like blocked her and then I unblocked her one day and she said, hi. And, and that's sort of how it all unraveled. It turned out um, there were three women, at least including myself, that he was sleeping with during this pandemic. Um, during a time period where he's yelling at me to find him a place to live. He's telling me that he wants to have this baby with me. He's telling me that he he's, Wait, just waiting for me to get over whatever it is that I need to get over in order to like start this life together and then treating me like shit when we were apart and literally like disappearing all the time. And then there was a third woman or a fourth woman, I guess, um, who he was just talking to on the phone like every day, twice a day, she said, but they had only gone on a date because of the pandemic. And like all the other two women that he was sleeping with had like the same story. Like they, they, it turns out that he just had like different levels of relationship because he needs that much attention. He had the person that he would talk to on the phone and just like watch porn with who she thought that was weird. They all were like, Oh yeah, he seemed really off. There was something off about him. Um, there was the other one who I think he was trying to replace me with, but she didn't want that. She was just sort of sleeping with him because she figured they had been dating a little bit before this pandemic and it was safe enough you know, they don't live in like a high risk zone and whatever. Like he convinces you to risk your life <laughs> to have sex. Um, and then the third, the other woman that he was sleeping with, um, they had just started seeing each other um, sometime in, in February and um, had only slept together once, I think, but had hung out twice and like did mushrooms together or something. And actually, so I spoke to all of these different women um, either through direct messages or one of them I actually spoke to on the phone, which was like super helpful. She just told me all the truth. And like, it was just crazy. Like the stories that he would tell her were partial truth, but they were also like, you know, 
story and I keep somehow is able to um, take like a little bit of the truth and then change it forever. However, his needs need to be met. Um, he was coming on to her really strongly. He was telling her already that he loved her, that he wanted her to be his girlfriend, that he wanted her to meet his kids. And she was like, I don't want anything like that at all. Like, I just want it to be casual and all that stuff. Um, and so she was kind of like turned off by him. The other woman that he was sleeping with told her, like, yeah, he was like, yeah, he told me that he just wanted, like, one more girl, maybe one more baby girl, which is, like, what he would always say to me. She even showed me text message screenshots, which were looked a lot like the ones I used to get in the beginning, which were, like, super hypersexual and overly flattering. And I was like, damn, I haven't gotten any of those in a while. Um, and she showed me like a, a screenshot of his Tinder profile, which was like under a different name and a different age. Um, and then it turns out the third woman that he was just mostly just, like, I guess, sexting with, um, he's been on Tinder with her since June. So like two months before he proposed to me. So all of this being like just uncovered. Um, he treated me like I was, you know, having a man, he was like, I confronted him with these text messages um, from the other women or screenshots or whatever. And um, he basically, you know, told me I was crazy having a manic episode and that like he was going to, he was going to file an order of protection against me. Um, And that he had already filed a harassment suit, which is exactly what I had already filed against him. Um, and I think he just freaked out because I had basically blocked three of his, like, narcissist supplies, including, and then the fourth one, including myself. And then I actually ended up talking to his ex-wife, and she was like, yeah, he's, you know, she, he used to hit her. And she, like, she dealt with him for way longer, but she was like, yeah, just, I always thought I should reach out to you, and I'm sorry that I never did. But, yeah, I kind of understand, like, the stuff between them was so crazy. Um Sorry, with anyone in these situations anyway, even if she reached out, you may have not, uh, most people don't listen when they're under the spell. Yeah. So it wouldn't, it, couple, it wouldn't have helped. Uh, yeah, there's a few women I reached out to who I know he was sleeping with or whatever with, um, who just did it, you know, they were skeptical and I was just like, and you know, it hurt my feelings because I guess part of it was revenge. But then like a, another part of it is like, I don't want him to keep hurting women. Like, that is not okay. And, like, he is calculating, and he is a, a predator. And, you know, I don't know what all the other... Um, he definitely fit. Like, when I first left him, my friend was sending me all these narcissists, uh, like, articles, and I was re- watching a lot of different YouTube videos with different psychiatrists, and, like, I'm like oh, yeah, he, like, totally fits the bill. <laughs> But, like, I was just in denial about it. Um, and so, yeah, if his ex had reached out to me, I maybe I, was, I would have been mean to her because he made me hate her, you know? Like, that was part of the thing when we got together was, like, um, there was, like, a bonding over, I think it's called trauma bonding in general, but there was, like, a bonding over disliking her and, like, me helping him get back at her well it was a vi- it was a vi- it was a victim hood. he made himself out to be the victim yeah. to this villain and he painted a picture of a villain so and he did a really right. good job because now mm-hmm. oh he did a fantastic job and i was ready to believe it because i had lived it you know i had lived it with my own parents 
And now he's, you know, now I'm also in that story um, that's telling other people. And I've since stopped reaching out to different people on Instagram because I'm just like tired. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So where are you in your healing? Because this is very, very, very fresh. Um, very fresh. But to be honest, like for the last five months that we were sort of going back and forth, I was also working on all this stuff. I was working on that part of me that was so desperate for love that she would just ignore all these red flags. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it finally, the like truth came out about like a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, um, the last time I saw him was like Easter. So, um, it wasn't that long ago, <laughs> but you know, I went through all the, the things of grief again, of course. Meanwhile, you know, there's like this collective grief going on in, in the whole world. Um, but I went through shock and disbelief and so much anger, so much. Um, I tried not to go into my own victimhood because it's not helpful for me. Um but like, you know, asking why, why would somebody do this to me? Why would somebody tell me that they loved me and then treat me like they hated me? What did I do to deserve, you know, like I can easily go down that path, but I, I've been doing a lot of like inner parts work with my therapist and I do a lot of other healing modalities. I've also started um, teaching classes again, which has been helpful for me um, to hold space for others. Um, I wanted to hurt him real bad. And a lot of the other women too were like reaching out to me. Cause like, we're like, Oh, we got to go get SPD tested. And, you know, um, I want to like, you know, do something to his car and they all live locally to him. And I was like, go for it. I can't, <laughs> like I'm in danger if I do anything else to this guy. Um, but I'm still was being tormented with that feeling for until very recently. Um, I was feeling like I really wanted revenge. Um, but as cheesy as it sounds, I do know that the best revenge will be to like get better and to like live a happy and fulfilled life and to do all the dreams that were always my dreams. They were not his to keep doing them and to, to make it out West and, and to, to start that business that was always mine, even though he tried to like steal all of, and he even went as far as to like register my businesses as DBAs and then threatened me with them at one point during this, this weird second round that we had together. Um, but yeah, there is a point where you wonder was any of it real? And I had to like, eventually, um, I'm right now. I'm at the point where I was real. My love was real. My feelings were real. And that's really all that matters. Um, I don't, I'm trying desperately to not think about him anymore. I've, pretty much at the point where I'm not checking up on him. He's blocked. Um, I'm like everything now. Um, and yeah, I'm just in like a moving. I am trying to move right now. Um, and just get back to myself and to heal that part of me that just felt so desperate for love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, there were parts maybe that were real and true, but I don't, I'll never know which ones were. And as far as 
what you want people to know before we end the show. Um, sure. What uh, the wisdom of what you've learned in this process? What would you say to others? Um, I mean, my biggest takeaway is like trust yourself. Like I thought I was having trust issues, and I was, and it was with myself. <laughs> like now I know exactly how my intuition feels in my body. It feels like something is off. I know exactly. You know, all those women were like, how did you know? And I was just like, I know. You just know. And so, like, I just want people to know that, like, A, it's not your fault. Um, Gaslighting is very difficult to work with and to work around. Um, And that you need to, like, trust your instincts. And, And sometimes you need to keep going until you decide that it's time to stop. That's what it was for me. Well, Allison, I want to thank you for being on the show and sharing your story uh, to help others. And, uh, you know, I hope your healing process continues and you make it out to, uh, I guess, would be California out west, somewhere out there. Um, Mm -hmm. And that you do... um, live your life for you and you're on the road there. And I, you know, based upon listening to you today, I feel pretty confident that you're going to get there, uh, quicker than, um, you might think, you know, you, you, you know, you know where the path you, you need to go down. And it sounds like you know exactly, um, that you're going to, not that exactly. It sounds like you're going to get there. Um, and you're taking your power back. So it sounds, uh, that, uh, that you're on your way. So I just want to thank you, um, for being here and sharing your story, uh, with everyone. Thank you. You're welcome. And sorry, continue. Oh, no, I was just saying thank you for letting me, um, to share my story. Um, it's important to me to just, you know, if that helps anybody feel less alone, then that was worth it to share it. And um, I'll never let anybody treat me like that again. That's as simple as that. Well, thank you. And for everyone else out there who is listening, I hope you have a good night. <laughs>